You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander's up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Welcome to Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Why let sleeping dogs lie when you can take the bull by the horns and let the fur fly? So get your claws out and get ready to rattle some cages on Pet Peeves with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai. Hey there, and welcome to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Amy Shojai, and today we're taking an inside look at show dogs. That brings me to my rant of the week. Now, I love dog shows. I love seeing the gorgeous dogs. And I've got to tell you, you ain't lived until you've shared an elevator with half a dozen gorgeous canines ready for the ring. But it really hisses me off to hear clueless folks say, it's only a beauty pageant. Those pampered show poochers aren't real dogs. Okay, sure. The contestants are coiffed, clipped, buffed and puffed, and well, so are the dogs. But under all the glitz, you'll find true dogs that herd, hunt, howl, prowl, work, play, beg for treats, and yes, even share their special human's bed. Dog shows celebrate the best about what makes dogs special. And today on Pet Peeves, we're going to get the real truth about show dogs. And I'm delighted to introduce you to David Fry dog person extraordinaire and a true insider able to clue us in on what's up with dog shows. Millions of television viewers know David as the longtime co-host of USA Network's annual telecast of the popular Westminster Kennel Club dog show, which will be aired February 11th and 12th this month. He's not just an observer, he speaks from experience as a longtime breeder, owner, handler, and judge in the world of purebred dogs. So park your furry tails and get comfy, and we'll be right back with David Fry after these messages. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. There's nothing like a shaggy dog, baby. They're shagatelic. And this is the place to find out how to have harmony in the household with your pets. Oh, yeah. So stop by our pad every week and get switched on, baby. Switched on to the show that's all about attitude. Oh, behave. With your groovy host, pet edutainer Arden Moore. Yeah, baby, yeah. Every week on demand on PetLifeRadio.com. Pets are part of the family, and when traveling with your dog, there's only one magazine to include when packing your doggy's duffel bag, and that's Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Each bi-monthly issue includes hotel, city and state reviews, and doggy destinations to explore with your furry companion. Fido Friendly magazine can be found at Borders, Barnes & Noble, PetSmart, Pet Boutiques, and Fido Friendly hotels nationwide. Or you can go online to subscribe at www.fidofriendly.com. So get traveling with your pet today and leave no dog behind. And remember, Fido Friendly's the only magazine dedicated to the travel lifestyle of man's best friend and the one magazine your dog will thank you for. (laughs) 
It's time to start scratching for donations for the Humane Society of Broward County's Walk for the Animals presented by VCA Animal Hospitals. The walk is Saturday, March 1st at Esplanade Park in downtown Fort Lauderdale. You'll need a registration form, so stop by any VCA Animal Hospital, IHOP, the Museum of Discovery and Science, or the Humane Society. This event is also brought to you by Big 105.9, Comcast, Purina One, PetLifeRadio.com, Tidy Cats, and the Herald. Call 954-266-6817 or log on to Walk. The number four, theanimals.com for more details. See you there. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. Welcome back to Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. And please welcome my first guest, David Fry, the TV voice and face of the Westminster Dog Show. Welcome to the show, David. Thank you, Amy. I'm so excited to be on with you, and congratulations on having your very first show. Oh, it's great, and I could think of nobody better that I wanted to have than, and the timing couldn't be better. I mean, with the Westminster Show just around the corner. This is my favorite time of year. You get the you get the uh, Super Bowl of dog shows and the Westminster of football, and uh, all in <laughs> the space of about ten days. And we're excited to be a part of that. Well, first of all, for our our listeners, David, tell us a little bit about yourself. What kinds of dogs do you have? Well, for thirty years, I raised Afghan hounds and and. Uh, had a lot of nice show dogs uh, um, with my former wife. We did a lot of great winning. Had a had a wonderful dog named Champion Storm Hills, who's Zoom and who, uh, and Zoomy retired as the top winning female in the history of the breed. And and while we wow. were out there showing her, we made some friends and got some uh, exposure to people that thought maybe I would be the guy to do uh, Westminster on television. And that was back in 1990, where I did an audition tape and and uh, did the show for the first time. I thought, wow, this is fun. I'll do this for a few <laughs> years. I'll get a great kick out of it. Now, uh, here we are coming up on my 19th year. And, it, you know, that sounds awesome to me. It sounds great. <laughs> but when you throw in the idea that Westminster's been around for 132, my little 19 years really is just a piece of that. Right, really. Uh, how The first show that uh, Westminster had was back in the, what, 1877? 1877. It was before the light bulb was even invented. So... <laughs> So uh, we've been around a long time. We're we're the second longest continuously held sporting event in this country, behind only the Kentucky Derby. So so we've had wow. a nice run, and we were a great part of the legacy in, in the sport. We're the oldest organization in the country that's dedicated to the sport of purebred dogs, older even than our governing body, the American Kennel Club. So uh, we've been around seven years longer than them as well, and, and in fact had a big part in creating the AKC. So. So uh, we take our role very seriously in protecting and promoting uh, purebred dogs especially, but all dogs in general, and celebrating dogs in, in, our, in our family lives. Now, I know that uh, some of the notes that you sent me early on, and I appreciate that, by the way, uh, says here the first telecast of Westminster was in 1948, years before I Love Lucy premiered. <laughs> That's, That's true. <laughs> That's, That's pretty incredible. Well, and it is amazing. We've been on television a long time. 
Well, what do you think? What about this dog show thing that people always say, oh, dogs are only a pretty face? I mean, when I attend Westminster, you know, this year, sadly, I won't be able to be there, which is why I'm so thrilled to have you on the show here. But I love listening to your commentary about all the individual dogs and what they do in real life away from the show. Some of them are agility champions or they're search and rescue dogs, therapy dogs, all kinds of things. Well, the idea that I've always tried to tell people about, because I'm a part of this world, is that these are real dogs and we are real people who are participating in this great family sport. You know, a lot of these, a lot of people that you see on television are people who have been involved in it for the second and third generations of their family. So they have a great dedication to the sport and, and to helping uh, create the next generation of healthy, sound, and happy dogs for uh, the dog-owning public. So... We're very proud of that, and that's one of the messages that we try to get out. Well, and I know also dog shows with the, the bench shows are very much an educational event where they encourage the exhibitors, the breeders, the handlers to be available with their dogs to answer questions. We don't just encourage them. It's a rule. And if they're not there, they, they get fined. So if you're, if you're not there with your dog on the bench in the time that you're supposed to be there, which is any time other than the time you're in the ring or the time you're grooming, um, it's a, I think it's about a $50 fine now. Ouch. So, so we're serious about making an educational opportunity for the general public, and that's what we do on-site at Westminster. The last three years, we've been sold out. So there's over 20,000 people that come through there each day and uh, have the opportunity to visit with breeders and owners and handlers and get up close and personal to the dogs if they're looking for a dog uh, get some ideas about what breeds might best fit their lifestyle. And, and if they already have one, maybe they can get some help with some challenges that they might be having uh, with a certain breed. And, and uh, a breeder might say to you, you know what, they always go through this at two years of age. Um, here's how you solve it or here's how you wait it out. Now that's what I love about the ability to interface with the people you're getting the dogs from because you can find out, hey, you know, this is, this is a gorgeous dog, but it's also a real dog and maybe you're going to have some challenges as far as house training if it's a little guy and it's freezing weather out there or maybe if you have an apartment, a border collie is not for you. So <laughs> there, <laughs> there's some real instances. You know, I've, my husband really wanted a border collie. And I, and I had to tell him, I'm sorry, honey, I don't want anyone in the house that's smarter than me. <laughs> so there's some real challenges there about educating the public and, and getting some good information out there. We do it in person for the people who are at the dog show, but we also reach millions of people, as you know, on live television on USA Network. We're also reaching a lot of people on our online presentation of the breed judging highlights and a few other behind-the-scenes things, especially this year uh, at WestminsterKennelClub.org. You can see all of this stuff. So we hope that we're educating people about not just specific breeds, but about responsible ownership and how to go about finding the right dog for you. Well, and that's uh, really key, I think, that you know, a purebred dog is not for everybody necessarily, and I love the fact that you do promote shelter adoptions. Well, purebred dogs, really, the best thing about purebred dogs is their predictability. I know Absolutely. this little two-pound ball of fluff, if it's a Pomeranian, it's going to grow up to be six pounds, and it's going to be this big. But if that same little two-pound ball of fluff is going to grow up to be an Akita, it's going to be quite <laughs> different. If I'm expecting a Pomeranian, it ends up being an Akita, 
then uh, then it's probably going to make for an unhappy relationship and an unhappy family situation. So that's what purebred dogs are all about. Now, if you can adopt from a shelter and you see a dog that's pretty much what it's going to be in terms of its growth and hair and conditioning and temperament, then by all means do that because we care about dogs, we care about all dogs, and we want everybody to have a great relationship with a dog because we, of all people, know how important that relationship can be. Well, how many breeds are being shown this year? Well, we have four new breeds this year, so it brings the total to 169 breeds and varieties. Wow. Well, what are those new breeds? We have the plot, which is in the hound group, a beautiful uh, hunting hound that's actually the state dog of North Carolina. We have the the Tibetan Mastiff, um, a dog that's been around thousands of years, but just now finally got recognized by the AKC and is part of our dog show for the first time ever. But that's a a massive dog that really a lot of people think is behind uh, every single breed of dog out there, even the smallest of them. Wow. Then we have uh, two new breeds in the herding group, the Boceron, which is an intimidating-looking sort of dog that maybe could remind you a little bit of a German Shepherd and or a Doberman, only in a little bigger package. And we have the Swedish Valhund, which is uh, of the same sort of proportions as Corgis, three parts length to two parts height, and uh, has been also been around for thousands of years, but just finally got recognized here. So four new breeds, 169 total breeds and varieties. Well, what kind of animals were the plot uh, bred to hunt then? Well, they hunt big game, really. Bear, I think, is their preferred bear. <laughs> their preferred game, <laughs> but they hunt raccoons and and uh, and other larger game like that. I need an armadillo hound there here in go. Texas <laughs> yeah, well, uh, to keep him so. keep him out of my roses. <laughs> yeah, well, so, plots are beautiful. I saw my first one this fall in person, and. Uh, uh, they are a beautiful kind of a brindly sort of hound, a beautiful, athletic-looking, lean dog that uh, that hunts. And they're a wonderful animal as far as I can see and from what my exposure to them is. The Tibetan Mastiff is a serious dog. It's you know, And a lot of dogs, are. we always say they're not for the first-time dog owner. A lot of breeds are not for the first-time dog owner. I would say that's probably true of a Tibetan Mastiff. Because uh, you've got to be the alpha dog, and if if you're not at least as bright or as tough as as your dog, you're going to have problems. And if he if he sits on you, that could be a problem. <laughs> That's right. He lets you know who's <laughs> in charge right now. The two herding dogs, the, the Boceron is a very serious has a very serious demeanor about them as well, and they are a, a herding dog, athletic dog, but of a little more substance than than dogs like uh, like the. Uh, Belgian Malinois and the Belgian Treviran and 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 uh, the Briard. It's actually pretty fairly closely related to the Briard, another French herding breed. But it's a dog that can go all day long and not ask for any any relief at all. So throw in the Swedish Valhund, which is uh, another athletic herding dog that goes all day long, and, and we think we've got four nice new dogs to share with the public this year. Explain for the listening public here what is the criteria to get your dog in to Westminster and to be shown there? Do they have to be a certain age, certain championship status? What goes into becoming a Westminster show dog? Well, the basic requirement to enter our, to be eligible to enter our show is that the dog must be an American Kennel Club champion. And that guarantees uh, the quality that we have and that all the top dogs are going to be here. It's the only dog show all year long where all the top dogs 
are in the same place at the same time. And we guarantee that by inviting the top five dogs in each breed to pre-enter. And then we have an open process. Uh, we have an, a limited entry, 2,500, that's dictated by the space that we have at the garden. So then we have an open entry process to fill the remaining slots and, until we hit that 2,500. So champion dogs, a good entry uh, that fills up in a hurry. The first day that entry's open, they also close because uh, wow. people want to be here. Wanted to ask you also, David, um, a lot of these dogs are almost professional dogs. I mean, they, they go on the air as much as you do. Uh, they're, they're out there campaigning throughout the year oftentimes. I know that people that aren't in the show fancy probably would have some concerns about the amount of time that these dogs are maybe away from their families or, or the cost in terms of time and commitment that it takes to, to campaign a dog. Do the dogs suffer? Well, it's a, no, the dogs don't suffer as long as they're with the people that they love. I think the and the people who they love also love them and are always concerned about their well-being as well. But, you know, I, I think dogs are athletes. So they go hard and they wear out and they wear down as well. So we have to be careful. We have to watch that. I don't. I, there are not very many dogs that can get to 150 dog shows a year, you know, for a very long time. But when you're trying to build a record and trying to get your dog out for people to see because you're so proud of it, I think that dogs can take a certain amount, can take a certain amount of pressure like that. Well, I know that some of the uh, the breeders and exhibitors that I've spoken to before will tell you, the dogs tell me if they like the show life or if they don't like the show life, and we listen to the dogs. Well, you know, if the dogs don't like it, it's not going to be very much fun for you. I mean, I spent 30 years in Afghan hounds, and, and we had more than our share of dogs that just didn't like the show. They, they didn't like the crowd. They didn't like a bunch of strange people around them, and that's not unusual in that breed. But they did love to do things like lure coursing. Uh, ah. Now we're seeing more and more Afghans in agility, but lure coursing is where they really excel, where they're, where they're running after the lure, going full speed and cutting and doing athletic moves on, on the course. And it just some dogs want a course. Some dogs want to be around people, and some dogs want to do agility, and some dogs want to be earth dogs. So, you know, sometimes they want to do it all, but sometimes they don't, and that's okay, too. I enjoy hearing in the commentary in the past years, dogs that are not only confirmation champions, but they're champions, hunting champions, or, you know, intercoursing champions, all kinds of things. Yeah. So there, there are some that are multitasking. Well, let's face it. I mean, dogs were bred to do a certain task for people. Most dogs have a very specific job that they're supposed to do for people. Nowadays, they don't get the chance to do that dog. My Af that job. My Afghan hounds that were bred to hunt gazelle and snow leopards, well, there weren't too many of them around the Seattle area when I lived there and had my kennel there. <laughs> but they still retained the ability to do that, and we could see that uh, by taking them lure coursing, that they still have this innate ability to do those things. And, and that's what the dogs love, and that's what we love having them do. So anything that makes them happy will make me happy, and I think other dog people feel the same way. Are there uh, places that people could go for more information about lure coursing or uh, go to ground activities or some of the agility, fly ball, some of these types of things? Well, uh, I would tell people to try to find their local kennel club, and uh, maybe they can check with their veterinarian or check with local grooming shops or local boarding kennels, and somebody could probably identify to you, uh, here's a contact for the Seattle Kennel Club that can help you find some activities for your dog or help you find people that have the same breed. Also, every breed has a parent club, whether it's the American Brittany Club 
or whatever, and you can go to their website and find contacts there, whether it's people for activities or just people, maybe there's a local club, uh, for example, uh, the, the Brittany Club of Seattle or something like that. So there are ways that you can find those from our website, westminsterkennelclub.org. We can help you find uh, we can help you find the parent clubs and get you in with the people that you need to see. And of course, if you really want a list of all the activities, you can go to the American Kennel Club website at akc.org. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here for just a minute, David. What is your favorite breed? <laughs> well, you know, since I started doing the dog show, I can't pick favorites anymore. But it's probably pretty <laughs> obvious to people that I that I do love my Britneys. I love my Afghan hounds and my heritage, if you will in that breed but i've over the years found a lot more a lot of breeds that i really like and would enjoy having and i say you know if i were to have a working dog it would be this breed or if i were to have a toy dog it would be this breed well i just got my first toy dog i have a cavalier now to go with my two oh, britneys oh, so, um, well yeah and i wish i lived i mean live in a high-rise in manhattan i'm not going to get much beyond three dogs at any point yes. at any point <laughs> but um and three's probably over my over my max now too but yeah currently my cat is saying that my one german shepherd is too much so that's an interesting yeah. situation i have here with i have 13 acres with one german shepherd and he thinks that's just dandy <laughs> Uh, I don't think he wants to share. (laughs) If you were speaking, and and you will be speaking to all the most important dog lovers in the near future here when Westminster airs, what is the most important thing you believe folks should know about dog shows in general and Westminster in particular? Well, I think the thing about Westminster is, of course, its legacy and history is the premier event in in the sport in the world. And I think, as such, they know they're going to see the best dogs and hear stories about them, and hear what they were bred to do, and, and the history of the breed, and, and talking in the context of the sport. I think the most important thing we can talk about is responsible dog ownership. Uh, in this day and age, where way too many jurisdictions around the country, we're hearing about legislation that's aimed at restricting the work and the, and the life's work that people have done to make our dogs healthier and happier. They're also the same people that work hard in purebred dog rescue that uh, they're taking care of of their breed uh, wherever they can. And I think it's important that they hear that there's a reason that these people are doing what they do and they're doing it responsibly and that those are the people that when you go to find a puppy, those are the people that you should support and those are the people that you should seek out. Well, listen, folks, we will continue our conversation with David Fry and all things dogs after messages from these sponsors. Okay, time to call off the dogs. Pet Peeves will be back with more biting topics right after we kibble a little with our sponsors. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet with pet expert and author Sarah Wilson. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Greetings, human. What planet 
am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in Paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No. To my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're foaming at the mouth to get back to pet peeves. So here's Amy with some more tail-tying, fur-flying fun. We're back, and again, we're speaking with David Fry, the co-host of the upcoming Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. But that's not all. With Westminster, David helped to create Angel on a Leash, which is a charitable therapy dog program. Now, Westminster's been around since 1877, but it's not just about the show. At that very first show, I understand that Westminster donated funds to the ASPCA. The uh, current Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show also has some uh, special charities that they like to support. And uh, David, I know that Angel on a Leash is very close to your own heart. I'd love to hear more about that and also take the lead. So could you tell us a little about what is Angel on a Leash? Angel on a Leash, uh, we started Angel on a Leash here at Westminster as a charitable activity in support of a therapy dog program at the Morgan Stanley Children's Hospital of New York Presbyterian. And it's a wonderful experience. We build a program there from two or three teams to over 30 teams that visit there on a regular basis. And not only that, we then expanded the program into other places. Uh, the first place we went was around McDonald House of New York City. We added them to what we do. And then we're in new alternatives for children. We're at New Milford Hospital. We're also at the St. Jude Children's Research Hospital in Memphis and in Portland at Providence Hospital. So we're a number of places without really trying to get large, but uh, because of the visibility that Westminster brings to the great activity of therapy dog work, we're able to help spread the word, and, in, and indeed, that's what we want to do is, is to champion the use of therapy dogs in healthcare facilities and schools and rehab and hospice and everywhere else that we can. What exactly does a therapy dog do? Well, a therapy dog can be part of the treatment process for people who are undergoing uh, whatever kinds of, of procedures they may be undergoing in a hospital or in rehab or, or school programs or things like that. It can be as simple as just walking into the room and getting somebody to smile or talk or think about something other than the challenges that they face. Uh, my own two dogs, we visit every Tuesday night at the Ronald McDonald House of New York City and work with the kids there who are uh, who are facing the challenges of cancer. And we also work, obviously, a lot of that is working with their families as well, and it's doing good things for their families, their siblings, and their parents, because uh, I have a friend who says when a child is sick, the parent is sick too. And part of, mm-hmm. part of our treatment, if you will, is to, is to have time 
with all of them and give them a chance to smile about something, maybe give them a chance to talk about something when they haven't felt like talking much lately, or maybe even to get a, a child to get up out of a stroller that they've been wheeled around in because they haven't felt good, get up out of that stroller and, and take a step over and hand a dog a treat and have that be the first time they've taken a step. I can't tell you how many times a parent has said to me at the Ronald McDonald House when they're interacting with my dogs, that's the first time that she has smiled since she's been here. And these are kids that come in, in, in here into New York City. The Brown McDonald House is a wonderful place. My wife, Sherilyn, happens to be the director of spiritual care there. But these are kids that come in from all over the world with the challenges of cancer, and they're coming in for cancer treatment or cancer consultations at the great hospitals here like uh, Memorial Sloan Kettering and, and uh, NYU and, and uh, the Morgan Stanley Hospital. And uh, they're kids that are fighting battles every single day. And, that's, Brave little kids nice. with a family that's supportive of them. But the Royal McDonald House provides housing for these people so they don't have to worry about spending thousands of dollars on a hotel bill while their child might be here for three or four or six months or a year even for treatment. And the dogs do it because, I mean, that's what dogs do. They that's enjoy it. They do. love it themselves. Absolutely. My dogs, uh, they're getting a little older now. They they still do what they do, and they figuratively smile about it, but, you know, they're <laughs> making kids happy, and, and uh, all the kids that are poking and prodding and pulling their tails and body slamming them and stuff, they enjoy that time with the dogs, and the dogs enjoy just having that kind of attention on them. And it's, it's the kind of activity that does things for the people who are involved, too. I can't tell you how uh, my involvement with therapy dogs has changed my own life and gotten me to be more receptive and more understanding of people you know, you walk down the street with your dog and you feel like you're sort of having a ministry on the street because my dog will run right over to anybody. Whether it's oh, the yeah. guy in the suit that's getting ready to walk into an office building or the next person he runs into, which might be a guy uh, with an amputated leg sitting in a wheelchair and holding a paper cup and asking for a donation. And my dogs are accepting of that. Now the next time I walk down that street, maybe I don't have my dog with me, but I've got a relationship with, with these guys, and I'm able to stop and talk to them. And, and it just it changes my life. I think it changes other people's lives, of course, too. But it's the opportunity for me to do something with the dog that I love in my community and do some good in my community and do some good specifically for people who are in need. And it's, I can't encourage people enough to look into that as a kind of activity that might be good for them and their dog as an activity to do together. Because, you know, I hear people all the time saying, geez, I've got to go home. I need to spend time with my dog. That's the way we talk right, in our world. Right. I need to spend time with my dog because I haven't spent much time with him lately. But I'd like to do something good for people as well. Well, here's a chance to combine that. It sounds a little simple, but it's it's a great great multitask. Activity. Sure. That's it. That's multitask, it. take the dog with you and you both get a great outing and something wonderful out of it and people benefit as well. Well, we're very proud of the work that our Angel on a Leash dogs do everywhere. And if people want to see some more about us in action, they can go to angelonaleash.org and uh, and see what we're all about, but we really have not even we've not been proactive in terms of fundraising or trying to expand because we're just getting organized. We just got our own 501c3 this summer, and uh, we've created a board that's uh, I have a star-studded board that I'm very proud of, and they're already doing great things, and we have people involved from from all over the world. Well, I I know that Westminster also has a program, Take the Lead, that. Um this year, some of the uh, funds are going to be going to that uh, again as well? Well, Take the Lead is a program that began really with people through Westminster, but it's an independent organization that uh, provides funding and support for people who have devastating and life-threatening illnesses. And I've okay. had, I had the good fortune to be on their board for a long time, but 
they uh, take the lead, helps people in the sport who have problems, who have, whether it's a health challenge or, or some kind of tragedy in their lives, whether it's a fire that's wiped out their home or their kennel or a flood or something like that. We have a disaster fund for those kinds of situations. But most of the time we're helping people who have health crises who either don't have uh, insurance or don't have enough insurance, and we're there to help them when they're in need. Well, it sounds like that um, Westminster in particular and dog show people in general, it's a big family and they take care of each other. So I love talking about the topic, and I'm sorry to say that we are out of time, but we would like to thank David Fry and the producers for making Pet Peeves possible. I'd encourage you not to miss the opportunity to attend a dog show and see for yourself, or listen, do the next best thing and tune in this coming February 11th and 12th to the Westminster Kennel Club 132nd Annual All-Breed Dog Show. And again, you can check out details at the website westminsterkennelclub.org. I dare you to join me next week for Pet Peeves on Pet Life Radio. I have something special in store, a topic that puts everyone's tail in a twist. You'll have to tune in to find out more. So email me some suggestions or post a note on my blog by dialing up PetLifeRadio.com and clicking on the Pet Peeves logo. You can get transcripts that way, too. Woofs and purrs until next time, and don't forget to pet your critters for me. I don't want them to get peeved. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.